Penny Dillard's Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, page 7, starting. A couple of summers ago, I was walking along the edge of the island to see what I could see in the water, and mainly to scare frogs. Frogs have an inelegant way of taking off from invisible positions on the bank, just ahead of your feet, in dire panic, emitting a froggy yike and splashing into the water. Incredibly, this amused me, and incredibly, it amuses me still. As I walked along the grassy edge of the island, I got better and better at seeing frogs both in and out of the water. I learned to recognize, slowing down, the difference in texture of the light reflected from mud bank, water, grass, or frog. Frogs were flying all around me. At the edge of the island, I noticed a small green frog. He was exactly half in and half out of the water, looking like a schematic diagram of an amphibian, and he didn't jump. He didn't jump. I crept closer. At last, I knelt on the island's winter, killed grass, lost, dumbstruck, staring at the frog in the creek just four feet away. He was a very small frog with wide, dull eyes, and just as I looked at him, he slowly crumpled and began to sag. The spirit vanished from his eyes as if snuffed. His skin emptied and drooped. His very skull seemed to collapse and settle like a kick tent. He was shrinking before my eyes like a deflating football. I watched the taut, glistening skin on his shoulders ruck and rumple and fall. Soon, part of his skin, formless as a pricked balloon, lay in floating folds like bright scum on top of the water. It was a monstrous and terrifying thing. I gaped bewildered, appalled. An oval shadow hung in the water behind the drained frog. Then the shadow glided away. The frog's skin bag started to sink. I had read about the giant water bug, but never seen one. Giant water bug is really the name of the creature, which is an enormous, heavy-bodied brown bug. It eats insects, tadpoles, fish, and frogs. Its grasping forelegs are mighty and hooked inward. It seizes a victim with these legs, hugs it tight, and paralyzes it with enzymes injected during a vicious bite. That one bite is the only bite it ever takes. Through the puncture chute, the poisons that dissolve the victim's muscles and bones and organs, all but the skin, and through it, 
The giant water bug sucks out the victim's body, reduced to a juice. This event is quite common in warm fresh water. The frog that I saw was being sucked by a giant water bug. I had been kneeling on the island grass when the unrecognizable flap of frog skin settled on the creek bottom, swaying. I stood up and brushed the knees of my pants. I couldn't catch my breath. Of course, many carnivorous animals devour their prey alive. The usual method seems to be to subdue the victim by downing or grasping it so it can't flee, then eating it whole or in a series of bloody bites. Frogs eat everything whole, stuffing prey into their mouths with their thumbs. People have seen frogs with their wide jaws so full of live dragonflies they couldn't close them. Ants don't even have to catch their prey. In the spring, they swarm over newly hatched, featherless birds in the nests and eat them tiny bite by bite. That it's rough out there and Chansey is thus no surprise. Every live thing is a survivor on a kind of extended emergency bivouac. But at the same time, we are also created. In the Quran, Allah asks, The heaven and the earth and all in between, thinkest thou I made them in jest? a good question. What do we think of the created universe, spanning an unthinkable void with an unthinkable profusion of forms? Or what do we think of nothingness, those sickening reaches of time in either direction? If the giant water bug was not made in jest, was it then made in earnest? Pascal uses a nice term to describe the notion of the creators. Once having called forth the universe, turning his back to it, Deus absconditus. Is this what we think happened? Was the sense of it there, and God absconded with it, ate it, like a wolf who disappears around the edge of the house with a Thanksgiving turkey? God is subtle, Einstein once said, but not malicious. Again, Einstein said that nature conceals her mystery by means of her essential grandeur, not by her cunning. It could be that God has not absconded, but spread, as our vision and understanding of the universe have spread to a fabric of spirit and sense so grand and subtle, so powerful in a new way, that we can only feel blindly of its hand. In making the thick darkness a swaddling band for the sea, God set bars and doors and said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further.